Thanks, Ron. And uh, you've already prayed for God's blessing on his word. But indeed, may the Holy Spirit uh, wing his word into our hearts a little bit deeper this morning, eh? So from Luke chapter 17. Jesus said to his disciples, Things that cause people to sin are bound to come, but woe to that person through whom they come. It would be better for him to be thrown into the sea with a millstone tied around his neck than for him to cause one of these little ones to sin. So watch yourselves. If your brother sins, rebuke him. And if he repents, forgive him. If he sins against you seven times in a day, and seven times comes back to you and says, I repent, forgive him. The apostle said to the Lord, increase our faith. He replied, if you have faith as small as a mustard seed, you can say to this mulberry tree, be uprooted and planted in the sea, and it will obey you. Suppose one of you had a servant plowing or looking after the sheep. Would he say to the servant when he comes in from the field, come along now and sit down to eat? Would he not rather say, prepare my supper, get yourself ready and wait on me while I eat and drink? After that, you may eat and drink. Would he thank the servant because he did what he was told to do? So you also, when you have done everything you were told to do, should say, we are unworthy servants. We have only done our duty. So far, God's word. Thanks, Ross. It's an interesting passage, that one, isn't it? I'd love to be able to go into that one in depth, but today's not actually the day we're doing that. Maybe in a few months' time, might come back to it. But it's one of a few passages that we're considering as we think about this topic of forgiveness. I might just read briefly, uh, in addition to that one, from Luke 23. Says there, two other men, both criminals, were also led out with him to be executed. When they came to the place called the Skull, they crucified him there along with the criminals, one on his right, the other on his left. Jesus said, Father, forgive them, for they do not know what they are doing. And they divided up his clothes by casting lots. The people stood watching, and the rulers even sneered at him. They said, He saved others, let him save himself if he is God's Messiah, the chosen one. The soldiers also came up and mocked him. They offered him wine vinegar and said, if you were the king of the Jews, save yourself. You might remember hearing the words, apologize right now. Perhaps when you were a kid, you heard that quite often. Say sorry. Maybe as a parent, you've said that recently to your kids. Say sorry right now, and you know what? You better mean it. Whether that works or not, that's yet to be told. But interestingly, these are actually the kind of demands that are rampant, I think, in our society today. Last week, uh, Tim opened by talking about cancel culture and the, the, the mob shaming that seems to happen on social media and even the media more broadly. And the demand that's really behind it is, all of it is, you should feel ashamed of yourself. Apologize right now. Say sorry for what you've done. 
And so while many public figures refuse to say sorry, refuse even to own up to their mistakes, and I won't go into the list of who they might be, there are others who are on this constant cycle of posting and apologising, speaking and apologising, commenting and apologising, over and over. Whether they mean it or not is another matter, and the longer the cycle goes, one, it certainly begs the question. But I want to ask, does it actually help? Does it help when, when somebody says sorry? Are apologies enough for the baying mob? And I think that the answer is not often. I mean, cancel culture, by its very name, is not satisfied until the targeted person is, is kind of erased from existence, or at least erased from the public eye. Restoration is not really an option. And I think it highlights to us that apologising or, or saying sorry is not really what is lacking in our current culture. It's forgiveness. It's forgiveness. I mean, sure, authenticity is also needed and, and uh, the ability to have discussions and chat through things, that's needed. But I think it's forgiveness that will truly heal the rifts in our society and achieve things like reconciliation and peace and restoration. Whether uh, in the realm of race or of politics or of family or even of international relations, there needs to be more forgiveness. As Bishop Desmond Tutu says, without forgiveness, there is no future. None. Uh, there was actually a really meaningful ABC article posted on Easter Sunday, just gone, uh, by Stan Grant, where he talks about the need, the, the desperate need for forgiveness in our world, and also points to how we see it displayed on the cross. And he similarly says towards the end of the article, whether one is a Christian or not, the act of forgiveness is essential for justice, for peace for all those things. And as we know, forgiveness is at the heart of the Gospel, the heart of the Easter events that we have just remembered. That is why Jesus came to die. That is what He offers up on the cross. And that is what He calls us to copy, to imitate in our own lives. But anyone who's had to do that or has been faced with the call to forgive knows that it's not easy. In fact, it can be incredibly difficult. It's not just about saying the words. It's a proactive, sacrificial, heartfelt offering. Most likely to someone who doesn't deserve it. And yet Jesus tells us to do it. In one interaction with Peter, he says, you've got to do it like 77 times. Which basically means an infinite amount. Forgiveness never ends. So is there anyone in your life that you need to forgive today? Is there a grudge 
or a bitterness that you are harboring or that's festering away within you and it needs to be surrendered. It needs to be brought before God. I want to just talk about three requirements that you need to have to think about in order to forgive others. And the first one is, is that forgiveness requires forgiveness. That is, to be able to forgive, especially in big things, in, you know, harsh things, we need to understand first that we have been forgiven. Uh, Ephesians 4 verse 32 says, Be kind and compassionate to one another, forgiving each other, just as in Christ God forgave you. Likewise, in Colossians 3 verse 13, bear with each other and forgive one another. If any of you has a grievance against someone, forgive as the Lord forgave you. We forgive others because God has forgiven us. And the reality is that our debt before Him is so much greater than any debt anybody could possibly owe us. We have rejected our Creator. We have denied our Saviour multiple times. We have corrupted God's image over and over. We have worshipped idols. There is no grievance between human beings that could ever match the offence that we have made against God. None. Ever. So if you are someone who refuses to forgive, Or perhaps you know someone who refuses to forgive and perhaps might say you just don't understand. Well, I think it's safe to say that if we refuse, then we don't fully comprehend or acknowledge the forgiveness that God has offered to us. Jesus highlights this uh, in a couple of places really, in in some short parables, you know, the one of the unmerciful servant Uh, And when the sinful woman comes and anoints his feet and there's a Pharisee there who's scoffing at this occasion, he gives this little parable about forgiving debts. And the conclusion is, well, whoever is forgiven much loves much, but whoever is forgiven little loves little. That it's all about knowing and feeling and understanding what it means to first be forgiven forgiven of sin. And this topic of forgiveness, I think, is another critical reason why we must hold on to the doctrine of sin. Because it shows us the need for forgiveness. And it humbles us completely in order to forgive others. But then we come to the Lord's Prayer, as we read earlier, and we wonder why it seemingly reverses the order of forgiveness. I mean, in the Ephesians and Colossians passage that we read, it's obvious that God's forgiveness comes first, and then we are to imitate that, we are to copy that. But when teaching us to pray, Jesus says, forgive us our sins as we also forgive everyone who sins against us. And it's like, It's like we're asking God to forgive us because we forgive others. But actually, the point here is again about knowing our need for forgiveness, being people of forgiveness. 
that if we are people who forgive, that if we are people who are ready, always ready to forgive, it means we understand the general need for forgiveness. Our forgiveness does not, or or, or forgiving others, does not earn us God's forgiveness. But as people who are forgiven by Him, who pray to Him, we then become forgiving people. Uh, The listeners in Jesus' day would have readily, I think, thought back to the laws about the Sabbath year and perhaps the year of Jubilee, the year for cancelling debts, basically uh, in that time when freedom was granted throughout the nation, especially for slaves who had become indebted to people and so had offered themselves as slaves to pay off their debts. But in that year, it would all be forgiven. People would be set free. Why? Because at one time, the whole nation were slaves in Egypt and God came and freed them. So because of the freedom that He granted them, they would also grant freedom to others. And it puts to bed any notion of entitlement. Or saying, well, no, but they owe me this much. As recipients of the grace of Jesus, we have to show grace to others. As people who are forgiven of all our sin, past, present and future, we need to be ready, always ready to forgive others. As forgiven rebels, deniers, ingrates, there is nothing we cannot forgive of others. Forgiveness requires forgiveness. Secondly, it also requires humility. In that passage we read in Luke 17, uh, Jesus teaches there about a number of things, sin, forgiveness, faith, duty, and and you look at it and you might initially think, well, this is just a whole bunch of mini topics and, and somewhat disjointed. But what shines through all of them is humility. In verses 3 and 4, this is what he says again, about forgiveness. If your brother or sister sins against you, rebuke them, and if they repent, forgive them. Even if they sin against you seven times in a day, and seven times come back to you saying, I repent, you must forgive them. And I don't want you to skip over that word there, must, because that's a pretty big word. You must forgive them, Jesus says. This is a command. You must, it's your duty, you have to. Is it hard? Yes, of course it is. Does it hurt? Yes, it hurts. But it is your duty. Later on in verse 10, he says, So you also, when you have done everything you were told to do, should say, we are unworthy servants, i.e. we're not entitled to hold a grudge. We have only done our duty. See, forgiveness, it does exist in our world, doesn't it? We see it. And a lot of the time we see that it is actually admired. But it's also often couched in selfish terms. You know, somebody might say, look, I'm going to forgive that person because I shouldn't have to walk around with that burden. That person now means so little to me that I can just dismiss them and if that If you want to call that forgiveness, so be it. Basically, 
you know, we're, we're kind of saying, look, that person's dead to me. I'm not even going to think about them anymore. And I think we too, even as Christians, we can be tempted to make forgiveness about us. You know, we feel proud, maybe. I'm the bigger person. I've done it. We feel superior. We feel special. We feel like we're ticking the boxes. We're doing the right thing. But Jesus' teaching here in Luke 17, I think, is a remedy against that pride. We don't forgive in order to feel good about ourselves. We, we forgive because it's our duty. Because we've been forgiven. We are unworthy servants who have received the greatest forgiveness. So, of course, we forgive. And that's humbling, isn't it? We want to make it about us, and Jesus is saying it's not about you. Not ultimately. It's about Him. It's about how you might point to Jesus by doing your duty of love and forgiveness. And through you, your enemies might even come to know the great forgiveness of Jesus. But perhaps at this point we might ask, well, what about forgiving an unrepentant person? What if it's somebody who's not seeking our forgiveness? What do we do then? In this passage, Jesus is talking about those who, who sort of come up and they're saying sorry. And in fact, nowhere in the Bible does it say we must forgive an unrepentant person. And yet, in light of Jesus' words, and even more than that, in light of His example, we see that the call to forgive is extended even this far. Because as He was crucified, as He hung on the cross in agonizing pain, and He watched His clothes being gambled away, and He heard all these mocks and taunts from every side, what did He say? He said, Father, forgive them for they don't know what they're doing. Were they repentant? No. Were they asking His forgiveness? I think they were doing the opposite. In fact, Jesus even excuses their ignorance and forgives them despite that. And this is a great challenge to us, isn't it? To be motivated by Jesus' forgiveness and forgive those who might not even be sorry for what they've done to us. That's a goal that we're called to strive for as hard as it is. And that doesn't mean that we don't rebuke sin. It doesn't mean that we aren't angry at sin. It doesn't mean that we don't grieve for the unforgiven or the unrepentant sinner. And, and want to do everything possible in our power to see them have a change of heart. It doesn't mean that. It doesn't even mean that we would then go and trust that person while they continue in that state. But we do forgive them, as Jesus did. And again, for those who are ignorant of the forgiveness of Christ, who don't know Jesus, who don't know any of this stuff, and yet are unrepentant for that reason, 
Well, may our forgiveness be a witness to the way that Jesus' grace changes us. May that speak volumes to those that we might forgive and the world around us. So forgiveness requires forgiveness and it requires humility. And then finally, forgiveness requires prayer. It requires prayer. I think it's so easy to look at the the content of the Lord's Prayer or even hear Jesus cry from the cross and forget to take take note of the nature of these words. They are prayers. They are a request to God the Father. They are seeking His help. And if we truly desire to forgive one another, to forgive others, well then we need to bring it to God in prayer and depend on His help. In fact, I think we might go as far as to wonder if there isn't prayer as we wrestle with this call to forgiveness. If there isn't prayer, then is the desire to forgive truly genuine? Because we rely on God for our own forgiveness and we have to rely on Him for the strength to forgive others for the grace, for the mercy. Just like in loving people, just like in serving people, we cannot do it in our own strength. We need God to work that in us through His Holy Spirit and through the Gospel. So pray. Let me urge you to pray, to pray the Lord's Prayer. And yes, ask for forgiveness, but also in the words, as we forgive those who sin against us, Ask God that that will actually happen in our lives, whether big things or small things. Ask that God would remind you of the debt that He has forgiven you so that you will find it possible to forgive others. Ask Him to convict you of your duty as a follower of Christ. Ask Him to help you seek His entitled glory rather than your so-called entitled satisfaction. And ultimately, pray as Jesus does and ask that God will forgive them. All our grievances aside, our greatest desire should be that friends and enemies are reconciled to God, are forgiven by God and will know that forgiveness. So pray for this. Pray that even if you don't get an apology, that they might still repent of their sin before Him. Pray that the grace that you've experienced from Christ, not from whatever they've shown you, but that you have from Christ, that that will be poured out on them as well. Because they need that just as much. You don't have to look too far to find stories of forgiveness and the witness that they are, how they point to Jesus, to the rest, the reconciliation or the restoration it leads to. There are modern-day parables aplenty, like the story of a family in Zimbabwe back in the 90s when their farm was seized by the government, like so many, and was given to someone else instead. A lot of people then fought back or they fleed the country. But this family, they instead moved to the capital, to Harare, and 
began to teach farming, the skills of farming, to the very people who were put on their farm and replaced them, and to others as well. And so, what resulted from that was harvests in more than one way, as they were able to share good news as well. Or like the story of a Bible college student who was beaten up one day when he reported a gang of teens for not paying their bus fare. Uh, But after they've been arrested and they're in the courtroom and they're sentenced, the student is, is moved by their spiritual need. He feels pity on them and so he actually stands up and asks the judge to serve their sentence. It's one of those kind of noble moments. And of course, the judge says, uh, no, that's not how the justice system works. But the very request, that he made that request and then decided to go and visit these teens in prison and, and connect with them, led several of them to Christ. Or maybe like the story of a widower whose wife and unborn child were killed in a car accident when another driver irresponsibly fell asleep at the wheel and crashed into them. But with gospel motivation, the husband forgave that driver and sought to even get his sentence reduced. And he met with him regularly to share forgiveness, to share hope, to share good news. And on and on the examples could go. The point is, forgiveness it floors people. It floors people. It can't not impact people, whether they just hear about it or whether they experience it directly. It's incredibly impacting. And forgiveness is one of the greatest acts of witness that is available to us. Because it is at the heart of the gospel. So again, I ask, how can you forgive others? Even small things or even indirect things. And how can you share in that the forgiveness of Jesus? Let's pray. Father, we want to thank you this morning for the forgiveness of Jesus Christ, our Saviour. Your Son who came into the world for that very purpose. Who died on the cross and suffered an agonising death in order to forgive us our sins and offer us life. Who even as he hung on the cross was mocked and humiliated. And yet, even as he hung on the cross, pronounced forgiveness on all those who made his pain worse. Lord, the example of your son is incredible. But we know that you, through what he's done, have given us the ability, the strength, the grace that is needed to forgive others that we have known mercy so we can share mercy, that we've known forgiveness so that we can forgive others. Lord, we pray that you will help us to do that.
Lord, I ask that for any who are sitting here this morning, feeling burdened in their hearts because there are grudges or there is bitterness or there is a weight of unreconciled relationship or rift between them and and someone else. Lord, I want to pray that you, through your Spirit, will bring healing and restoration. Through the forgiveness we see in the Gospel, applied to our hearts, that Lord, in those situations, you might give freedom and even joy in the ability to forgive, despite the pain, despite the sacrifice, despite, Lord, the selflessness that's required. We ask that you will work it in our hearts. And Lord, if we don't have anything particular like that in our lives at this time, we pray that you'll work in our hearts a readiness to forgive. To forgive everyone we come across. To live out that sense of forgiveness. Even in an immediate sense when we chat with people and spend time with people. And even in our close relationships. And Lord, we pray that any forgiveness that through your grace we might share, we pray it will be a witness of the forgiveness you've shown us and offer to the world. And we pray all this in Jesus' name. Amen.